Welcome back to Bachelor on the Couch, the podcast where comedy becomes clinical. Today, we're talking about first impressions, maturity and love, and effective self-advocacy. So as always, that's Liv. That's Jenna. Take a seat on the couch. I have missed you, Liv. <laughs> I miss you too, buddy. I know we only had one week off and it wasn't nearly enough time, but it was also is too much time to in between our little Wednesday night recording sessions. I love our Wednesday night recording sessions. Honestly, I look forward to it every week because it's just, I feel like it's my form of self-care. Oh, I love you so much. I really enjoy it. It makes me really happy. And I love getting to check in with you and chat with you and then all the bachelor stuff too. Yeah, that stuff's kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, crazy how it has started already. We didn't get a break. I feel like I didn't breathe from the drama from last season. There have been no exhales, just continuous inhales. I think Bachelor Nation as a whole is a little tired, but. <laughs> We press on. We're going. We're going. <laughs> really press on. Clayton's season. What are kind of your first thoughts going into it, having seen Monday's episode? Oh my gosh. So many thoughts already. Honestly, I feel like I always say this at the beginning, but I'm not a fan of a lot of them. <laughs> a lot of the girls. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. They're just, and I think it's probably like my assumption and the fact that it's only the first episode, but there's nothing really special. I kind of agree with you. I wrote in my notes, I'm really not impressed with the casting as a whole right now. They keep telling us how much we're going to love Clayton and I'm waiting. I still don't see it. I don't think he, as of right now, he doesn't strike me as a very strong lead. Whoever the host is, he was a previous bachelor. I'm forgetting his name because that's how important he is to me. Jesse. Jesse Palmer. And they look the same. That was all over social media. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't, he didn't really impress me. And again, I don't necessarily, my top choice isn't to see a white man hosting these shows unless it's Chris Harrison and it's not going to be Chris Harrison my other option I say would be Wells Adams but if it's it's not going to be Wells then I don't think a white man has any business kind of being in that role also who can top Michelle honestly that was the greatest bachelorette season ever (laughs) I kind of agree with you and I think almost because of that I was also really disappointed in the casting for all the women. I think we just Mm -hmm. got off of a season where we had this beautiful lead, this beautiful, intelligent, strong female lead. And we talked a million times last season about how great we thought all the men were, how, yes, there were some bad eggs, but as a whole, she had a really great cast of these strong, um, driven, motivated, good men. And as of now, I am eager to be pleasantly surprised. None of the women really strike me as motivated or driven independently, if that makes sense. I feel like because of who our bachelor is, and the only thing we know about him is that he wants to get married and have kids. I feel like all the women there are just there because they know it's him and he's ready for marriage and kids. And for some people, that's their life goal. And that's just not something I really resonate with personally. And I think 
it's not my favorite storyline to watch via media. I also noticed that all of them, when they were getting introduced, you know, at the beginning of the episode, um, at least some of them were getting introduced, like their hometowns, what they did for work. And then, you know, why do they want to be on this show? Why do they want to date The Bachelor? And every single time, basically every girl was like, oh, I love how he looks. I love his smile. He's this big football player. And I feel like every single girl was saying that. And there was nothing about, and I know they don't know, really know him yet. And we don't know him yet. About his the rest of his character, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think just valuing kind like, what are we valuing in these relationships? And yes, physical chemistry, physical attraction is important. At the same time, if you're looking for a commitment like marriage, you're looking for a commitment of or it's having a family with someone, I think there's a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm. I also thought, <laughs> this is kind of random, but... <laughs> I saw a bunch of tweets about how <laughs> there were so many nurses. Brett Vergara's um, tweet. Oh my gosh, wait, I had it. All the tweets said something like, there's a, a, wait, a no, I got it. No, I got it. I got it. <laughs> in the hospitals because every single nurse is on The Bachelor. <laughs> I was cackling. I showed it to my mom. She was cackling. There's a nationwide shortage with nursing staff and we all thought it was because they've had to emotionally endure two years of an unrelenting pandemic, but it's actually because they're all on this season of The Bachelor. They just kept showing up. Why was everyone a nurse? Every single person. Oh, yeah. I see you, nurse. There was a pediatric nurse. There's a, I think, pediatric doctor. Oh, oh, there was a doctor. So there was the doctor, and then there was a bunch of nurses, and then there was an ICU nurse. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of all the nurses on the season... I thought the one of the doctors, or no, maybe there was just one doctor. The one the who wore lingerie? Yes. She yes. was my favorite coming out of the limo. And I thought that was a great start because <laughs> it was just so good. Like her line was so good. She said something along the lines of, I need to do your physical now. And she was in lingerie and she had a stethoscope. And I thought that was just cute and flirty and fun. I thought that was fun. I also liked, he's like, is this what doctors wear now? So is that (laughs) your first impression Rose goes to? Oh yeah, for sure. Her name. And I'm going to say her name because Jenna won't know any of the names. I know Um, two people's names. (laughs) Her name uh, is Kira, 32, physician in Philly. So that's her. What was yours? I'm between two. Per usual, I called who was getting the first impression rose because I, so I was between either Teddy or Genevieve. I figured Teddy would get it, but I kind of really liked Genevieve. I think of all of the women that he talked to, she just struck me as being really genuine and being really just kind of like just real. She came across really real, but again, I'm very much looking forward to hopefully being pleasantly surprised by our gallery of nurses. It was funny because I thought Genevieve actually looked a little bit like you, Jenna. Maybe that's why I like her. (laughs) She was definitely, I mean, you're so genuine and real. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, Genevieve is so similar to Jenna. I love her. I totally agree with you. She was, I mean, on first, whatever, I don't remember what she said at first, but I don't remember. He was just being like, 
very honest and open and like Michelle. Well, and I didn't, I don't think she didn't really do any gimmicks. Like sometimes the gimmicks can be fun, but she was just really kind of just like, here I am. I also think it's funny. So you know how every once in a while we'll have alter egos that typically happen mostly when we're drunk and make bad choices. It's an alter ego that we can blame. Yes. My alter ego that I blame all of my problems on typically because it's her fault is her name's Genevieve. No. So that my friends have like, there's an era of Genevieve in my life between my senior year of college. Well, end of my like senior year of college into the summer following. It was the era of Genevieve. So I just thought that was funny. Genevieve come out when we were drinking tequila on my porch. (laughs) I don't believe that was Genevieve. That was just horribly drunk Jenna. (laughs) Genevieve likes to do a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors, typically around men. Uh, (laughs) Receiving attention because she's really good at it. Okay, okay. So maybe maybe it wasn't Genevieve that I don't believe you've met Genevieve and I'm perfectly content. Wait, that's sad. No, I hate Genevieve. All my friends love her, but I hate her. But anyway, the Genevieve on Clayton season. So far, (laughs) I like her. Yes, me too, me too. Overall, first impressions. Sounds like we both have some people that feel a little bit like a highlight, craving a little bit more. Would that sum it up pretty okay? Yeah, and honestly, I just... I have no clue where the season is going. Usually by the first episode, I'm like, okay, you know, I can see where some of this drama is going to come through. But to me, it just felt, I don't know if you felt this way too, but it felt really bland Mm -hmm. and the same old stuff over and over again. I agree. I usually, after the first episode, there's like little things that I'm excited about and I'm trying to be very open because I do love this series. I do love Bachelor Nation. Mm. I'm trying to be very open and unbiased. I just, at this moment in time, I'm really not impressed. I just hope we get more exciting things. (laughs) More exciting things. And I'm also thinking about like messaging for young women as someone who was watching the show way too young, but high schoolers, college kids, like young women in their 20s and 30s. I... I'm interested in media portrayals of strong, independent women. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping we will get to see some of that because we did get to see some really great, genuine guys on Michelle season. So I'm hoping that we will get that opportunity to see it for women as well. Yeah, well, kind of speaking of that, how, and I know you kind of mentioned this to me a little bit while you're watching the episode, but this idea of maturity in relationships and how that kind of evolves in in love (laughs) I think I let you know so my brain because I was sensing a lot of just kind of oh I can't wait to get married and Clayton wants a family and we're gonna have a family and that's what I want there's a lot of that because really that's all we know about him my brain kind of thought about maturity in relationships and clinically I went to kind of the different theories around love. We've got two different theories that my brain kind of goes to in terms of looking at maturity in the individual that brings to a relationship. So the first one is Sternberg's theory of love. Are you familiar with that one? No. So this one, like really in a nutshell version, it's just the idea that love has three components. It's a relationship consists of passion, intimacy, meaning emotional closeness, not necessarily like sexual, but emotional closeness, and then 
commitment with this idea of mutual understanding, wanting what's best for your partner, giving and receiving support and being able to kind of share personal and private things with your partner. And relationships can consist of one of those components, can consist of two of those components, but typically a relationship that consists of all three, passion, intimacy, and commitment. Relationships that manage to maintain all three are usually long lasting and typically happiest. So that's his theory. It's nothing too like groundbreaking in my opinion, (laughs) but this idea of having these things as part of the relationship and being important. What I saw, and I I know kind of back, backtracking here but that idea of physical attraction and what I was saying before of the whole thing of the girls being like oh you know I I like his smile I like all this stuff and to me that seemed very surface level Mm -hmm. but as I'm hearing you talk that's also such a necessary part in a healthy relationship that's not the only part but it's necessary. Exactly. And something that I'm reminding myself too, is that this is night one. This is day Mm -hmm. one. There really isn't a whole lot to go off of and Mm -hmm. they only get so much time to get to know him day one. So it's like trying to keep all of those things in perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think honestly for Bachelor Nation, it's most girls and most guys sign up for it because of some the bachelor's physical appearance and the bachelor's physical have we ever had an ugly bachelor or bachelorette no and that's you know that's how they sell it too yeah sex sells yep so that's society that's exactly exactly my brother used to have a um he was in a band one time they had a song and it was like one thing that was repeated all over and over it was like sex sells and it sells well (laughs) sex sells and everyone's into it But that's the truth. Like they're not going to have someone ugly, but also ugly is so subjective. So it's- Right, right. It's a whole thing. We could get into it, but we won't. (laughs) That's a whole other issue with society, but I'll ask. (laughs) We only have 25 to 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) The other kind of theory or model that my brain went to was John Crosby's model of relationship interdependence. And there are three different frameworks that he talks about. The first framework of an unstable framework is called the A-frame relationship. And in that framework, the people in the relationship are overly dependent. They can't spend time alone. They don't know how to be without the other person where there's maybe a really high couple identity. So like, oh, we always have matching shirts. Like, oh, we're always together. Really high couple identity but on their own feeling really unable to accomplish anything or be okay. So that's the A-frame relationship, not identified as stable. Is that in, I'm putting this in quotations, a clingy relationship? Like what someone would call clingy? Exactly. This is basically the clinical language of saying clingy as fuck. Got it. Okay. (laughs) And then the second kind of version of an unstable relationship is called the H-frame H-frame relationship, that's when the individuals are overly independent. So there's very little couple identity that they are always standing alone. They're not only most comfortable standing alone, but are only comfortable standing alone that this identity as a couple doesn't exist. If both people walked away or if one person walked away, no one would really notice. So how do you get to the middle? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Don't we all want to know? So the middle, right? So that's the third framework and that's the mature version. That's the theory that suggests that maturity in relationships can also be measured by the amount of dependence. So it's the M frame relationship, which is the ideal one. It 
suggests that a relationship can be called mature when they have a strong sense of connection, but also have a strong sense of self-love. This idea that I don't need anyone to complete me because I'm complete on my own. I want a partner who is going to be full on their own as well and that we can come together and be so full that we're overflowing. Still having that connection, but also being able to prioritize self-love and the things that you need as an individual, that you don't need to rely solely on that other person. That's why I think it's important to work on yourself before getting into a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not necessarily, that doesn't always happen, but I think that that huge like self-reflection piece is so important. Yeah. And I think when people hear like, oh, I have to work on myself, that is such a daunting task. Cause what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I think like working on yourself and feeling, feeling confident in who you are as an individual is looking at the different areas of your life and feeling like, how can I exceed in these things that are important to me? Mm-hmm. And if I have a partner, great. And if I don't have a partner, great, which is hard. Yeah. <laughs> which is really hard. Definitely work in progress. <laughs> And that's the thing. Relationships, just like individuals, are works in progress. They're going to be, there's always a give and take. And it's understanding that give and take that you want, ideally everything's 50-50, but maybe sometimes it's going to be 80-20 for a little bit or like 30-70. And being able to negotiate that and navigate that and still have this strong sense of Mm self-love. That's where my brain went to with kind of the, I'll say lack of maturity that I noticed in night one. But again, it's night one. (laughs) I know I always feel so bad jumping to conclusions or assuming on the first night. But at the same time, we only have, what, 10 weeks? We have 10 weeks. And let's be real, we're therapists, but we're judgy. Yeah. Never to our clients. Just I don't to, like to be judgmental, but I'm going to be judgmental for this. <laughs> we're allowed to be judgmental. Reality TV. <laughs> it's reality TV. Exactly. Uh, speaking of self-love and self-reflection, I think a huge part of that reflection is knowing how to become an effective self-advocate. And I think we saw this, and you might have a different opinion, in the beginning of the episode when uh, Sally, which is the girl who was supposed to get married, they got, yeah, so it was a whole thing. They had a whole conversation about it, and he offered her Rose, and then she got on her cell phone and was like, I don't know what to do. Wait. I'm so sorry sorry that Chicago Joe tweeted, I've been on three Bachelor Nation shows. Where the hell did she get a cell phone? Yeah, my roommate and I were laughing at that for hours. We're like, where did she get a cell phone? Sorry. Oh, yeah. So he basically said, oh, we have chemistry. And then she was freaking out and she didn't know what to do. But eventually she said, I can't do this. My heart's not here. I'm going to go home. And I thought she did a great job of not apologizing for doing what was right for her and not feeling bad for having her own opinions. And I think there are definitely three parts of this self-advocacy piece. So knowing yourself, knowing your needs, and knowing how to get what you need. Mm -hmm. And I thought she did, it wasn't the best self-advocacy I've seen, But also, you know, she was 
she basically said, I want to be here and I like talking to you. I think I did see a connection, but ultimately I don't want to lead you on because my heart is in another place. Mm -hmm. What did you think? Well, I'll be honest when you, when we were doing our notes about what we were going to talk about and you said, Sally, I don't know anyone's name. And I thought you were talking about someone else, but (laughs) (laughs) so I do agree that in terms of self-advocacy, I do appreciate that she didn't apologize for doing what she needed Mm -hmm. and doing what was best for her, which I think is really important and something that I notice in myself. And I've noticed in friends where it's, we apologize for setting boundaries. We apologize for the self-advocacy piece and there's no need to apologize. My only thought with her was why the hell was she there? (laughs) In the first place, right? If that was the day she was supposed to be married and her occupation was recently engaged, she must've applied for this show either when she was still engaged or immediately following the breakup. And in both situations, what the hell are you doing there? Yeah. So, I mean, she needs some serious (laughs) (laughs) self-reflection. But in terms of self-advocacy, I appreciated it. Yes. I think she took a good first step in advocating for herself and advocating for, okay, you know what? I need to maybe take a step back from dating or that scene to kind of be with myself and then figure my shit out, basically. (laughs) Yeah. My brain, when you initially said it, when we were doing our really quick notes of like, what are we going to talk about? I thought, and I I just looked at your notes because I don't know anyone's name, but you wrote her name down. You're perfect. Claire, I thought that was a really disappointing missed opportunity to see appropriate, effective Mm self-advocacy. She, right, had... Her little tailgate, and I thought she was just bullying him the whole time, but alas, she had her tailgate. There was no chemistry. He's not my type. I don't really like him, like not into it. That could have been a really beautiful opportunity for this effective self-advocacy, right? Knowing what you need, knowing what you want, being like, okay, this isn't it. I'm, I want to excuse myself. I'm going to, I'm going to go. This isn't it. It could have been such a good self-advocacy moment. And instead she maybe overserved just trash talking him to the point where he had felt the need to address it. And then like it, that took time and energy out of the night. That's what I thought you were talking about. And I'm like, I guess it's self-advocacy, but I thought it was really missed, missed the mark. Oh, I, but yeah, I agree with everything you said about Claire. I think, I mean, that, that whole, that whole event was... See, I have no words because (laughs) it was very much expected from her, I feel like. At least I got the impression that, oh, like, okay, like, here comes another one of these, like, drama-filled girls. She's gonna say something dumb and weird and and mean, and then the girls are gonna freak out, and then she's gonna go home. So I was kind of expecting that, so. (laughs) Yeah, it felt really formulaic. It just, I thought it was disappointing. I I don't know, maybe this is just me, because I've been watching it since I was so young, and my mom would pause the TV and go, teaching moment. There's, we get a lot of teaching moments of, like, don't do this, Mm -hmm. but it would have been really nice to see, like, a really positive, like, teaching moment of, hey, look at her, Look at her acknowledging what she wants, what she needs, and removing herself respectfully. I thought it was a really disappointing missed opportunity. I agree. (laughs) What an episode. It really was. Acknowledging that we like to typically close on a skill of some sort. I know that you did some really great talking about self-advocacy and effective self-advocacy. So maybe just our skill for this week is looking at really thinking about self-advocacy and those three steps that you talked about. Yeah, I think it's really important to advocate for yourself, not only in relationships, but 
in jobs, at school, with your coworkers, with your family members, with your friends, uh, teaches you how to set those healthy boundaries, which I know we've talked about before. Again, the three parts to becoming an effective self-advocate are knowing yourself, knowing your needs, and knowing how to get what you need. So take time this week to reflect on maybe some areas that are challenging for you in, in the advocacy aspect and some things that you're really strong in. Thanks so much for listening. I think that's all we have for today. Don't forget to follow Bachelor on the Couch on Instagram, Facebook, and Batch on the Couch on TikTok and Twitter. Or check us out at bachelorandthecouch.com and send us a note at bachelorandthecouch at gmail.com. That's that. Bye.